When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. to the Denver Broncos, nine new members. Of course, the draft wrapping up this weekend. Mace and I were on site for the entire Broncos draft. And welcome in to the DNVR Broncos podcast where Mace and I are going to break down this Broncos draft class and also what we noticed around the league and get into the Broncos' first-round pick, Nick Bonito and his role. But first, I got to tell you about our presenting sponsor, MSU Denver Online. Over at MSU Denver Online, you get a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. MSU Denver is the Colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. So if you want to get a degree or you want to take a class or two without stopping your life, go check them out over at MSU Denver Online. My boy, Mace, how are you doing, my friend? All right. A little bit of a Wild night last night around here. Mm-hmm. A little bit of trouble sleeping with those storms moving through. It was crazy. Yeah. I mean, for the first time, we finally get some precipitation, and then yeah, the sky was just lighting up left and right. I mean, if any of uh, if Nick Bonito and Greg Dolchis, who were here this weekend, if they stayed yesterday, they're probably thinking, "Oh, I'm moving to Seattle." Uh, <laughs> I think Nick Bonito would say it's a lot like Oklahoma. Oh, that's because true. Because you got a lot of thunderstorms, yeah. a lot of thunderstorms there. So I think. Uh, if Bonito w- were in town yesterday, he probably would have felt right at home. <laughs> probably. Because he's also from Florida, and of course he went to Oklahoma, and yeah. you get you get those kind of storms down in Florida all the time. So he probably would have been very familiar with it. Greg Dolchich, you know, California guy. You don't, you don't get a lot of weather like that out no, there. No, so. you, you, you certainly don't. And those guys were in town on Saturday. Mace, you and I got to meet both of them. But we haven't talked to you, Mace, since the Broncos made their very first pick in Nick Bonino. What were some of your takeaways, whether it's from the Broncos or the entire NFL draft? I mean, edge rushers are kind of like quarterbacks in that, you know, the obviously 
there's a premium on them. So the best ones are going to go off the board maybe earlier than uh, uh, the than the talent at other positions uh, would would dictate. And so you get an edge rusher at 64. You're getting somebody with some attributes, but you're getting somebody who's, an in, who's kind of an incomplete puzzle. Um, Benito's going to have to be better in terms of setting the edge. He's going to have to be better at the point of attack. He's going to be better with his power rushes. So he's probably got some work to do in the weight room. I think he's got a, I think he's got a ways to go. You like the speed. You like the bend. That's good. That's there. But uh, he's going to have to add some tools in his in his drawer. But that's okay. That's what you're getting at pick 64. And Dolchich, you know, the film, the, the film shows that he can go deep, that he can be a vertical threat. The time speed isn't there. Curious to see if it's just he had a bad day in the 40 or if coming out of the Pac-12, the speed isn't quite the same as it is in the SEC or the, even the Big Ten, for example. Certainly, uh, the Pac-12 did not have a very good year in terms of uh, draft prospects and, uh, and when they were picked. So they take advantage of uh, probably the least of the Power Five conferences, maybe one that is arguably not even, a, uh, maybe it's arguably at the same level as the, Amer- as the American, the AAC. We'll see. He's also got to bulk up as well. Both these guys are going to have to get in the weight room because Dolchik, he's 243. He's a willing blocker, but he's going to have to hopefully put on five to seven pounds and maintain what speed he has to be a viable dual threat tight end rather than somebody who's just who's just going down the seam and going vertical on you. Yeah, exactly. You're right. And it, there were two big takeaways for me. First NFL, well, I'll start with first Broncos related, is the guys that the Broncos brought in, one of the first things George Payton and Nathaniel Hackett did was challenge all of them, uh, whether it was in general or specifically talking about him. And with Dolce, they challenged him. And with Nick Bonito, their first round pick, or the, their first pick in the draft, coming in the second round, they challenged him a ton. And I was a little taken back by that. You know, typically after these drafts, you come out and you say, ah, this player's great. He was top on our board at Mm -hmm. at their position and yada, yada, yada. Of course, it was a little more difficult for the Broncos to do that Mm -hmm. since they had to let 63 players get taken off the board before making their pick. But I I uh, I liked seeing that kind of more realistic expectations for these guys, especially since they didn't have a first-round pick. They didn't have their early second-round pick, which they would have since they traded both of those to Seattle. So that was kind of my takeaway from the Broncos' picks was I like that they're challenging them, and they also have real expectations, uh, realistic expectations of this draft class because it's silly to expect this draft class to live up to anything that last year's draft did. Mace, the Broncos drafted two guys uh, in the top 50 last year. They didn't draft their first guy until 64 this year. So to expect this draft class to come in and have anything like that impact is just silly. And you think that was crazy? Just wait for next year. I mean, let's say the yeah. Colts win the AFC South. and As you predict, right? I think they're the favorites to win the AFC South. And if they win their first round game if they're if they're in the divisional round then that pick that the Broncos get from the Colts and you're happy to get that no doubt because no matter what you moved up from 96 and you picked and you picked up a a pick uh, later on for the price of doing so but that that pick could be pick 89 pick 90 you're hoping the Broncos are picking in that range too so the wait's going to be even longer next year and we know and and they only have five picks in total. And George Payton did say something interesting. We're probably going to do a podcast on oh, this yes, we are. in the near future about how they want to get a lot more picks. Yep. Well, they don't have any compensatory picks coming. They have five right now. 
How do you get a lot more picks? You do that by trading players. And I think in the wake of this draft, and maybe as we get through into August, for example, you may be looking at some names that you know being on the trade market. Yep, uh, 100%, because you're not going to be trading your third-round picks to move down in order to pick up Mm -hmm. seventh-round picks. That's something you could do, but you're Mm -hmm. not going to postpone your draft position from the first pick being at 90 to now the first pick being with your fourth-round pick. That's not something to expect either. And to your point, Mace, about the Colts, they are the favorites over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Mm -hmm. They're at plus 105 to win their division. So you're right. Those picks could be later in the draft. And my overall takeaway from the entire draft itself, Mace, was really interesting because of what you said earlier. You said there's always a premium put on pass rushers, mm-hmm. and you're, you're 100% right on that. And typically, 95% of the time, there's a massive premium, an even bigger premium put on the quarterback position. And for some reason, that just was not the case this year. Now, obviously, we knew this was a weak draft class, but I still expected two, three, four guys to go in the first round. And then after that first round went by and there was only one quarterback taken, Kenny Pickett to t- at 20 to the Steelers, I expected two to three more guys in the second round, kind of like that Drew Locke idea where, okay, you didn't love him, but you like him, take him in the second round. No, we still saw these guys slide to the third, fourth, fifth round. In fact, you saw Sam Howell get drafted after Bailey Zappi. I mean, just incredible turn of events with, with the quarterbacks. I was shocked. I think everyone was to see how far these quarterbacks fell. Especially Howell behind Zappi. I mean, yeah, le- we saw Howell and Zappi basically side by side down in Mobile. Mm-hmm. And now, that being said, I think that was a specific team for a specific need. And the Patriots, the Patriots got Zappi. pick Zappi, and they're picking him specifically to be a backup. To Mac Jones, right. and they both have that's some similar not, traits. Right. That's not a flyer. That is. Right. This is our. This is our one-two. Yeah. Okay. That and I think that was key. I mean, but then again, everybody else passed on how George Payton did say the Broncos thought about picking a quarterback as he fell into day three, and. I suspect it was Howell mm-hmm. that they were thinking about because they did a lot of work on the quarterbacks expected to go in the draft. And uh, I, th- I wonder if that was the, the conversation when they had their second, fourth round pick when they went D line, but when they went for, let's just call them any, as in, because E N Y I, because that is an, that, that's e, that rolls off the tongue much easier. But uh, you wonder if that's the moment where they were thinking, okay, is the, uh, risk-reward ratio, right. And, yeah, Sam Howell would have been a backup, but he would have been a backup in much the same way that uh, Green Bay used to select backup quarterbacks behind Brett Favre, that a backup to offload. Right, right, right. It wouldn't have been a Jordan Love type of situation. Right, right. It would have been, (laughs) oh, if he does well, if if that lottery ticket pays off, you turn him into a second-round pick a couple years down the line. That's what what I think that would have been, but uh, it did not come to that. But also – I think a lot of teams were looking at next year's draft class as well. Of course, we talk about Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. You can't count on that. But you get into Jay Kaner out of Fresno State. You get into Jaron Hall out of Brigham Young. There's a lot of buzz about uh, Anthony Richardson at Florida. He's got the tools, but he doesn't have a lot of starting experience. That's obviously going to change this year. And I think teams were looking at next year's class and saying, okay, what's a better value here Uh it looks like it looks like next year Seattle in particular, uh, that was the of course the interesting one that they did not bring in anybody uh, to to compete with Geno Smith and Drew Locke, but uh, they may be kind of 
rolling the dice to see what they can do draft-wise. Of course, they have the Broncos first-round pick next year. Hopefully, that will be a pick somewhere in the 20s to 31 or 32, but they have their own pick. They have the Broncos pick, so they feel like they have the capital to move up as well and maybe even get Stroud or Young. So yeah, that's, exactly. I think that's I think that is Seattle's thinking right now, and that that makes sense. I think yeah. that's the smart play in the long run is to not be banking on a guy in the third round you take this year. Although I really do like Malik Willis going to mm-hmm. Tennessee. If he turns out to be kind of the player that people thought mm-hmm. he was, uh, a, a, a good player but not a groundbreaking player, man, he and Derrick Henry could be a blast to go along with Trayvon Burks. That offense could be so different, fun, and dynamic moving forward. And your guy, Sam Howell, Mace, he's going to start this year. He is going to end up being the starter. Wow, that's a, that's yep. your hot take, huh? Yep, yep. I could see that. They get, to, they get to a point where they get sick of uh, Carson Strong. Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz. Yeah, yeah. And Carson because, Strong didn't get drafted. Which is, again, crazy. We were talking about him right after the season potentially being, okay, is he going to be the Broncos pick? Are they going to move back in, into the end of the first round? Are they going to get him in the second round? Undrafted. Bunch of mocks before the Russell Wilson trade had the Broncos taking Carson Strong at 64. Now, again, this is all about the knee. A fair amount of teams appear to have had Carson Strong off their board because of the medicals on his knee that's the right. that's the primary explanation for that the thing is you mentioned you mentioned of course uh malik willis and of course he goes in he goes in there ryan Tannehill has two more years left on his contract with tennessee if he plays those out and then malik willis develops and they hand the baton to and they hand the baton to him is derrick henry still derrick henry running backs age fast it might be. I mean, it sounds great in theory. I'm not sure we'll ever see the Malik Willis, Derrick Henry combination unless he ages into his 30s like John Riggins back in the day. Where he, and it's possible. Mm-hmm. He's a power. He's a power back who runs over people. If anyone can, it's yeah. him. He appears to be made of iron, even though he missed some time because of injury last year. So we'll see. I'd love to. I'd love to see it. I, I like Derrick Henry. By the way, did you know uh, he Derek now Henry. is co-owner of a soccer team? He is, yeah, in Nashville. Nashville, Nashville yeah, SC. Very he, cool. He uh, and Reese Witherspoon were among the uh, investors. They had they opened their stadium yesterday in Nashville, and uh, yeah, Derek, it's cool. It's really cool yeah. to see players getting involved with team ownership in pro sports. Yeah, it, it is. We because how often you know we talk about with the Broncos, of course, the league wants minority ownership involved at some point. It may not work out that way, uh, depending on who ends up buying it, but. It's but this is this is how you change that mm-hmm. is things like Derrick Henry putting some of the money he's earned into investing in a soccer team. Yep, it's, it's, it's awesome. To it's see. really cool, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if that's something Russell Wilson does at some point in his tenure with the Broncos. Puts ownership in some team, some form or fashion, in a team in Colorado. You saw his mm-hmm. he had a minority ownership share in uh, was it their soccer team? Uh, Seattle Sounders. Yes, in the Seattle Sounders. Then just last week he moved to a silent owner, which is taking even like more of a step back. He's going to eventually transition that into some role with the Broncos. You saw Patrick Mahomes, unfortunately, do that with the Kansas City Royals. Or Uh, or he's going to buy part of the Rapids. Yeah, because he can't because MLS used to have a lot of cross ownership. They're not really as keen on that anymore. 
um, maybe that's maybe that's his play. Yeah, I maybe maybe that's, think a, that's be, becoming a partner and becoming a partner in the Rapids. That would be pretty awesome. Yeah, it, w- it would be really cool. And to tie the quarterback situation in this draft to the Broncos, Mace, it just this draft just made it even more mm-hmm. clear how good it was the Broncos got Russell Wilson. Look, we didn't need this draft to show that. We already knew how good it was for them. But holy cow, it did hit me yesterday morning. What if the Broncos didn't get Russell Wilson? Are we talking about them taking Malik Willis with the ninth overall pick or trading back to be, say, four spots and grabbing Sam Howell? And hindsight being 2020, how much of a reach that would have been compared to the rest of the NFL? Or maybe even worse, are we talking about the Broncos going into training camp with Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater again, trying to run that back once more, and it just brought to light again how great it was that they got Russ. Given how the draft board went, I think they would have uh, it, it wouldn't it would have been frustrating because they would have seen the tackles go early, they would have seen the better edge rushers go early, and they probably wouldn't have found much reception for trading down. I think it's very possible that Jermaine Johnson would not have slid into the twenties. Mm-hmm. Then I think the Broncos would have looked at how the draft board was going on day two with the quarterbacks and taken a quarterback within round two. And yep. my guess is it would have been Malik, Malik Willis mm. in round two. Mm. Yeah, and that would be exciting. We would be pumped about the idea of it now. But we'd be like, another second-round quarterback! And that's Here we it. go again. Another <laughs> second-round quarterback. Mace, we just... Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, no. And it's just it's just a nightmare that the Bron- that the Broncos got to avoid because of that. And so mm-hmm. that's why we're talking about this draft. The Broncos not having their first pick until 64. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about this Broncos draft, you have to remember that, Mace. You have to remember mm-hmm. that the Broncos do have uh, Russell Wilson, and that's why their draft probably isn't going to be as impactful this year and potentially for the long haul. But let's jump in and talk about the Broncos' first pick in the draft, Nick Bonito. But first, I got to tell you about Breckenridge Brewery Mace. Playoffs start tomorrow night for the Colorado Avalanche. It is going to be so freaking cool at the DNVR bar. And, of course, you got to be drinking the Avalanche Amber Ale from Breckenridge Brewery because, man, it is a perfect time to be crushing some of those. Tuesday night, you got to get some. If you're at the DNVR bar, grab some here. If you're not, if you let's say you don't live in Colorado, you can't make it to the bar, go to Breckenridge Brewery's website. On the top right-hand corner, there's a Breck Beer Locator. Click on that, and you can find not just where Breckenridge beers are, but you can find the exact beer. You can find where Avalanche Ale is and how close that is to you. So many liquor stores out there that carry it. So make sure to check them out and grab your Avalanche Amber Ale for the for the uh, the Avs playoff run. And if you are in town and you can't get down to Ball Arena to watch the Avs or you want to come watch them when they're on the road in the first round, of course, come on down to the DNVR Bar. Going to have watch parties going on for those Avs playoff games. And, of course, you can get that Avalanche Amber Ale here at the DNVR Bar. And if you're a DNVR member, you can get a big beer for the price of a small beer. Hopefully the Avs will be playing well enough to where you, they don't drive you to drink, but maybe you're going to want a beer anyway while you're here to enjoy the game. Yes, what? a celebratory one. Yes, exactly. People celebrate with beer, not champagne. 
Oh, you can, you can do both. Oh, Absolutely. Okay. All right. All right. So celebrate with whatever you want, beer, whatever. We've got it all here at the DMVR bar. Got great food, of course, at the DMVR bar. And like I said, if you're a member, you get a big beer for the price of a small beer. And you get discounts on merchandise. Check out some of the merchandise that's dropping. If you're a Nuggets fan, check out that new Bones Highland shirt that is popping over there. Partnership that we've got with the Nuggets first round pick. From last year. Check all that out here at DMVR and the DMVR bar. We talked about how Russell Wilson may want to invest in some team in Denver. Well, maybe he wants to invest in the American Raptors over at Infinity Park. What the American Raptors are doing is so cool here in town. They're taking athletes, pro athletes from other sports and turning them into rugby players. And they are, they had a great season. Their first season, they went five and five. That's incredible for athletes just learning the sport. It's a really cool idea what they're doing. And if you want to go check them out, check them out over at Infinity Park. You can get free tickets by going over to AmericanRaptors.com to get your free tickets. You can also stream, watch their game streaming online at AmericanRaptors.com. It's such a cool environment. So make Make sure to get some tickets, go down there, and have yourself a really good time on a weekend. Check them out at AmericanRaptors.com. All right, Mace, let's dive in to Nick Bonito. When you first saw that the Broncos were picking him, what was your initial thought? Okay, pick. Again, he's kind of an in- We talked about him leading into the draft. Mm-hmm. He's kind of an, in- an incomplete puzzle. But again, what are you finding in terms of pass rushers at pick 64? You're finding guys that need to yep. add something to their game. They're not they're not complete packages. You like the speed. He's going to have to develop more power moves. He's going to have to de- he's going to have to add more more core strength to him. That's so it's going to be a work in progress. I don't think he's ready to start. Mm. Um and that's the key thing. He may have to start. Mm-hmm. If uh if Randy Gregory Bradley Chubb or both don't hold up. So wait, let me stop you right there because I agree with everything you said, but it's not crazy to say that Bradley Chubb isn't ready to go week one, or it's really not crazy to say that Randy Gregory, who's injured right now, right. going to miss the entire offseason program, it's not crazy to say that he's not ready to go week one, although the Broncos aren't saying that yet. But if one of those guys isn't able to start week one, is Nick Bonito the starter or is Jonathan Cooper, Malik Reed? Baron Browning ahead of him. I don't know if they're ahead of him. I think they're gonna fi- they're gonna figure that out. I mean, Browning is doing, by all accounts, is doing well trans transitioning outside. But of course, the Broncos did not draft an inside linebacker in this draft. Mm-hmm. So right now, again, it's ba- this is base, and I don't think we're gonna see much of the Broncos in base with two inside linebackers this right. year. Right now, your starters are probably uh, Joseph Jewell and Jonas Griffith. Unless wow. you have the versatility to move Baron Browning back inside, I'd feel a lot more comfortable with Jewel and Browning. I as, would too. as the ba- as the base. I would too. And, and yeah, really quick, we're yeah. going to talk about that yeah. later this yeah. week as well. Uh, but after the draft, even after getting Nick Benito and not drafting an inside linebacker, Nathaniel Hackett said they're going to keep uh, developing right. Baron Browning at outside. And I think it's and I think that's also kind of a value play because edges are just kind of viewed more valuable mm-hmm. valuably than inside linebackers. And it's also a glimpse at what the Broncos are going to do schematically. Right. We're gonna see we're gonna see fewer two inside backer looks than we have. We'll see probably more six defensive back looks. I put it this way: I think you'll see more of Caden Stearns than whoever the second inside linebacker mm, is this yep, year. Yeah. In terms of snaps played, and that's kind of and that's kind of a key thing in terms of how they disperse the reps. And that's okay. Like you said, is it 
Nick Bonito? Is it Jonathan Cooper, Baron Browning, or Malik Reed? Reed right now seems the guy who probably who might be on the outside looking in and might be the guy that you're looking to trade at some point. I would actually give the edge right now today. If Gregory did not start, I would give the edge to Jonathan Cooper. Man, and uh, I'm I have to disagree just in hoping, honestly. I don't think that's a, a yeah. crazy take. I think you have a, a lot to justify that. But Mace, you draft a guy in the second round. I know it was the last pick, but he's your first pick of this draft, and he's not able to start. He's not able to be your first backup. Ah, oh, I, I, I don't like that. But my confusion with Nick Bonito isn't his talent. It's where is his role? Because Bradley Chubb, he's supposed to be an all-around guy, but he's also supposed to be a pass rusher. It's not like he's just a run-stopping outside linebacker. Randy Gregory certainly is supposed to be that uh, that high-impact outside linebacker pass rusher. Nick Bonito, right now, he is a, a he's a really good speed rusher. Even in this class, even being the 64th pick, he's really good at speed rushing. Why did he fall to 64? A little undersized, needs to develop his game more, uh, and, and really needs to become an all-around player. You, you look at Bradley Chubbs of the world. You look at Randy Gregory's of the world. They're 260, 265, 270. Nick Bonito coming in at 248. So he is smaller, but in terms of a, a pass rusher, he's really good right now so I think okay his initial role could be a a third down pass rusher that's where he could be really deadly but then I think who are you taking off the field Uh, are you taking Bradley Chubb off the field well he's also supposed to be a good pass rusher himself are you taking Randy Gregory off the field he's probably supposed to be even more of a pass rusher than an all-around player than Bradley Chubb And, and I just get confused where is Nick Bonito's role going to be this year because I think we can look at next year which we if everyone's healthy right right which we'll do in a second and I think it opens up a lot rotational he's getting about 20 25 percent of the snaps along with whoever the other backup is if it's him and Jonathan Cooper and Gregory and Chubb are healthy it's 20 to 25 percent for Benito it's that on third down Mostly on third down, you know. But, obviously, but, but there, there will well. be, but there will be some, there will be some situations where I think you say, "All right, we're gonna we're gonna give the backups this possession." Something that we've we've seen in the past. Vic Fangio, not as much of that, but you see now, George Payton wants to kind of have the waves of pass rushers. Mm-hmm. So, I think you may look at at kind of the defensive line and look at the edges the same way and say, "All right, well, it's this possession here." This is going to be the possession that uh, McTelvin Ajim comes off the bench. This is going to be the possession where we start off for three or four snaps with Cooper or Browning and Benito, and then we and then we put the the starters back in. That's the sort of thing that I think you'll see, and that's where his snaps are going to come from. And we have someone in the comment yeah. section, Chris Lopez, saying uh, third down NASCAR package. Letting Baron be the dime backer. And I think another addition to this NASCAR mm-hmm. package or whatever the Broncos are going to call it is may you talk about bringing McTelvin, McTelvin mm-hmm. Najim or any off the field mm-hmm. to then have DJ Jones and Draymond Jones as your only two defensive linemen. What I could also see the Broncos doing, sliding Bradley Chubb into a defensive line position, not necessarily meaning that that he has both hands in the ground. He could still be standing up, but he's kind of your third defensive lineman. And then you have Nick Bonito on his side, 
Randy Gregory as an outside linebacker on the other side. And then, heck, maybe you even do have Baron Browning as an inside linebacker, whether playing that inside linebacker role or if you want to bring pressure, bring him as well. I think this is the creativity uh, that Coach E is going to have to have on the defensive side of the ball in order to to get the to maximize these guys because right now they You're have calling s- them by the nickname now. Huh? Yeah, exactly, Coach E, Coach Evero. Uh, in, I can't in, get myself. <laughs> and I can't bring myself to call them Coach. Like it's Evero. Like I, I see. I, I can't. I can't do the. Oh, coach, so and so. What do you think of this? I can't. I, I'm. I can't do that. See, I, I, I'm not <laughs> like uh, Jason Garrett, where I feel yeah. like I have to call them coach. But, yeah. uh, but, but some. Sometimes we're all adults I do. here. It, mm. it, that's that's true. Mm. Uh, but I think he's going to have mm. to be creative because right now the Broncos have six pass rushers at outside linebacker that all should be and will be on an NFL roster this year. So how do you maximize those? Because this, you could say, was a luxury pick for this year, Bonito, because you already had five guys at edge rusher. And let's say you wanted to keep Baron Browning at inside. You already had four guys there. Uh, that's a way where I see Bonito really getting the, the getting on the field. And that's a way that I see the Broncos pass rush potentially, potentially being very dangerous. Now, it all counts on the health. And uh, we have never seen Randy Gregory play 17 games in a season. We've seen Bradley Chubb play a full season once. So you are probably going to count on those guys missing time. And that's where this pick goes from a luxury pick to more of a, a pick that fills a need. And we talked about it so much, how the Broncos really viewed themselves as having a need at edge. It, does, it, it, it certainly makes sense and is no surprise that they went and got one. Well, even though George Payton says, okay, the Bradley Chubb contract and everything that has nothing to do with it. Let's we'll see about that. <laughs> uh, I tend to say, show me what it's it's about what you do, not what you say. Right. And I think it would be naive to assume that the Broncos have not had that sort of long term conversation about if oh of course if of course Benito does well, if Chubb has another injury, then. We're moving on and, and hoping that Benito is developed where they can start him. They can start him next year. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would, yeah, it, it it would be just very short sighted to think that they haven't thought about that. Oh, uh, and that uh, and that's part and that has to be part of 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 the thinking here. I mean, there are there are even and look, there are some rumblings that the Broncos were you know were looking to move up. I mean, George Payton even said that they they thought about moving up from sixty four. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, decided to uh, stand to stand pat. Um, Possibly we're looking at cornerbacks that went off the board just before the Broncos right. uh, picked at 64. So it was very much kind of reacting to how the board was going and then trusting their own board. But it's not hard to uh, look at an alternate reality where the Broncos may have made a slight trade up and picked uh, you know, a Cam Taylor Britt, for example, out of Nebraska gone in another direction and then potentially when, Trey McBride right. who they went and got his position with their next pick right and that was pick 50 and, and he went off the board at pick 55 yep. so that and so they just simply they went into this knowing that there were multiple areas where they could it they didn't have a need that was pressing to where they were having trouble lining up for week one with what they had but multiple areas where they could use something for short and long-term planning and it just so happened that 64, the guy that was at the top of the of the board on the, of those of those positions, was edge. And they, you know, it, I mean, tackle was on their radar too. But mm-hmm. again, none of the tackles fell. 
something that George Payton talked about that if you want to tackle, I had to kind of go, uh, you know, had to have it done by early in round two, and then the value wasn't there down the line. It's not like they don't view tackle as something they want to get right for the long term on that right side specifically. It's just that that's that that's how the board fell, and they want and they preferred to get players who were on their priority list, but not say, we have to get this one position. Right. They, they went about, they, they largely went about it the right way, but it's, again, it's, it's not hard to see how things might have gone differently, and the Broncos might not have even gotten an edge until day three. Yeah, that, that, that could have very well happened. And so, Mace, since you say week one, if one of the starters can't play, and, I, and I'm touching wood for that, if one of the starters can't play, you give this slight edge to Jonathan Cooper. What's what's Nick Benito's role next year? Thinking about the future, I think that mostly depends on Bradley Chubb. Do you think he should be a starter if Bradley Chubb's not here, or do you think there'd be maybe a competition between he and Cooper? I don't know. Let's see how he does this year. I I, I mean, we don't know how he's gonna. We don't know how he's gonna do in camp. We don't know how he's gonna do this season. We don't know how they're going to play. So. I'm I'm not gonna make I'm not gonna make that call today. There's a there's a lot that has to happen before you say okay you're moving on from Bradley Bradley Chubb and Nick Benito as a starter. I think you'd like it to be that way, but Cooper himself widely regarded to have third round value if not for the heart condition, right? Mm-hmm. So he's doing fine health wise. Is he that much worse of a prospect? Then Nick Benito, probably not. And we do know that Cooper is is stronger at the point of attack, is better at setting the edge. I mean, he's he weighs about five six pounds more, but that counts that counts for a lot. And he's already farther along in his development, having been around in a year. So it's you have multiple possibilities, which is a good thing. It's kind of like on day three, you took two corners, one in the fourth and one in the seventh. If one of them develops into a slot or a number four corner, it doesn't. You don't care which one. You're happy that you got that out of out of those two guys. Mm-hmm. You threw two darts. One of them hit. Yep. And that goes back to George Payton's theory about having more darts. And he didn't end up with ten. He came close. He had nine because they decided they they really they decided they really wanted Wattenberg there on the interior line. And that's another discussion for another day. The impact on that because I think that's pretty profound on that room. So you want to talk about this year before looking to next year. Yeah. What are your expectations for Nick Benito three days after he's drafted by the huh. Broncos? What, ah. do you, what do you expect for him this rookie season? Uh, I don't know. I mean, play about 20 25% of the snaps, get three or four sacks. Okay. Yeah. My, my expectations, not just put on his plate, but put on the Broncos' plate for him, he needs to be Malik Reed. And what I mean by that, Malik Reed, his first season got two sacks. His second season got eight sacks. Last year, he got five sacks. So he has 15 total career sacks. That's five sacks per year. That's what Nick Benito has to have at the minimum for for this to to be a good pick, unless we're talking about Bradley Chubb uh, and Randy Gregory coming out and each having, you know, 13 sacks, and they're both pretty healthy throughout the season and play a lot of the time. Then we're talking about a whole different situation of, wow, the uh, the – uh, the pot, the situation that we didn't think was going to happen where both of these guys played and played well throughout the, throughout the whole season did happen. So now Bonito truly was a luxury pick, and that's okay that he kind of took a back seat. 
But if he plays the amount that we kind of expect him to, and is that Malik Reed type of role, well, then he better be getting Malik Reed type of production because Bonito was going to have a bigger role than than Malik Reed. And we saw this offseason the Broncos did not value Malik Reed. They let him uh, they they tendered him only to a right of first refusal, eventually brought him back for less than two million dollars for this season. They said that he's not an all-around player and they didn't value him that much. Okay, well, Nick Bonito, one thing when we talked about him was we said well, how much sense does he make in Denver if this coaching staff doesn't value Malik Reed that much? Because Malik Reed, really good edge rusher, mm. uh, can get to the quarterback, but not the all-around type of player. Now, Malik Reed is still significantly smaller uh, than even Nick Benito. He's about 10 to 15 pounds lighter, and that's mm. after having multiple seasons in the NFL to bulk up. So you can make an argument that there's more potential for Benito. But this season, with your first pick in the draft, this isn't a sixth-round pick. This is your first pick in the draft, and even though it wasn't until 64, it's still a second-round pick. These guys should have an impact, at least somewhat, on the football team. I'm hoping for five sacks, and I don't think that's a crazy number to say. I think they'll get five sacks from someone among Cooper, Benito, Browning. I don't think they care which one gets the five sacks. I agree. I agree. So, I think, and again, I kind of think of, okay— Who's a, who's a, who's ahead right now? Who's gonna play gonna play more snaps? If Cooper does well at setting the edge when he's out there, and Benito doesn't come along, then he's gonna be the first guy off the bench. If Baron Browning does, or if Baron Browning outplays Cooper and Benito, he's the first guy off the bench, and that likely means they're going to start. And that's and then that's where you're gonna get the guy who does have five or six sacks. It could be Benito. But I'd say I'd say literally probably those three, each of them's got about a one a one in three chance. I I would rule unless Malik Reed supply, surprises the fact that the Broncos gave him the original the original round tender, which for an undrafted guy meant to only write a few, first refusal. That kind of told you how much they valued him, mm-hmm. and the fact that they moved Baron Browning over even with Malik Reed coming back again further illuminates how they value Reed at this point. I think it's going to be among Browning, Cooper, Benito. Man, uh, I just have to say, if if it really is just a 33% chance between these three guys and they all mm-hmm. have an even shot, I do question using their first pick uh, on him. If they think that Jonathan Cooper and if they think uh, that Baron Browning can have as much of an impact as him, now I guess the conversation would then shift to ceiling for them. If they think that just this year they have a 33% chance and, and he's tied with the other guys, but if they think in the future that jumps up, okay, I get it. But then if that's the case, why are you moving uh, Baron Browning to the outside? Why are you keeping him inside? And we'll get into that conversation but the, later. But there's just there's just some things that don't line up. But it goes with the more darts theory, right? Okay, let's say you're one of these, you're, you're hoping one of these guys can replace Bradley Chubb if you move on from him. So you would have used uh, the last pick of the second round, a late third round pick, and a seventh round pick. And if you find one long-term starting edge out of three p- picks of that value, you're happy. So you just you have an, you have another guy again. That this is part of why they say you can't have too many pr- pass rushes. Part of it is you've got the guys with injury and suspension concerns at the top of the depth chart. Another is that. When you're sitting there and you don't have elite draft capital, you still have to find someone who can provide that production, and that means you're going to have to take shots. 
And I don't think those shots are, and I don't think those shots stop stop with this draft. Even if they move on from Bradley Chubb, even if they're happy with the production of those young of those young guys, I wouldn't be shocked if they used a third round pick next year on an edge, or even the first round pick in twenty twenty four. Yeah, but potentially because not. He, he, and that Peyton man... appears to value the edge in much the same way as John Elway did in terms of his draft calculus. The two best draft assets John Elway had in his time on the job both went to edge rushers. Back Von Miller and then Bradley Chubb, the only top uh, top five picks that he had in his time as GM. And then another first round pick went uh, to to Shane Ray. So you know Elway had, I believe, nine first round picks. In his in his ten drafts, and one third of them went to edges. I, that's not a coincidence, and I think uh, George Payton is viewing things in much the same way. It's simply a position that you have to invest a lot of draft capital in to find what you're looking for. Man, I hope they're not using a first round pick in 2024 on an edge because that would mean two of the three guys who are on the top uh, of their at least future projections with Bonito. Chubb and Gregory didn't work out, so that well, that would be a bummer. It's kind of like quarterbacks, though. It's a little once you get past the the top group, it's a little bit of a lottery ticket thing. And you're if it that you're not drafting a guy if two of those three work out, though. Yeah. In in the first round, no, you're. Well, I mean, if you, if two of those three work out, you are beyond thrilled. You abs. If one of the three works out. As a long-term starter. You're no, really I'm talking happy. about Gregory Chubb and oh, Bonito. Okay, I was talking about the guys right, in the draft. Right, right, yeah. right. Because I don't think you're using a first-round pick if, if two of those guys work out. And one mm. of the things that Nathaniel Hackett said, he said this game is all mm. about the quarterback. You have to have the quarterback, right. and you have to have the guys that attack the quarterback. And, uh, and remember, Gregory would have been a first-round pick if not for the mm-hmm. off-field issues as well. Mm-hmm. Now, and, so, it's that, and that's another thing. You've got... Your two starters right now are first-round talents, and Nick Benito is an, a late second-round talent, and probably, you know, probably went right around where he should have gone. There are some maybe to say a little bit earlier. I think in our evaluation, we thought probably late second, early third is right sweet spot for for Nick Benito, and so I think it's important to kind of consider positional value and the fact that he was taken where he was and keep the expectations in line. And for me, Nick Bonito's value, he was a he in terms of rushing the passer, he was a first round talent. And that's something that I said when we talked about him a couple of weeks ago. He's a first round talent rushing the passer, but why he dropped was he has to develop his game more, but the talent is there. And that's what the Broncos are banking on here. So I, I like it. They they could take this with having a quarterback now they could take a little flyer on him and potentially get first-round production out of him. And Mace, before we get into the comments section, got to tell you about our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook where they are offering you the same deal. Bet $5 on any team to win in the NBA this week, and you'll get $150 in free bets right away. That's all you have to do. You just have to bet on a team to win, and when you place that bet, you'll get $150 in your account. And no better time to do it than with Avs playoffs just around the corner starting tomorrow night. And the really cool thing, the really fun thing 
about DraftKings Sportsbook is they offer so many game day boosts and props. It is so much fun. You get in there, and you're probably going to have a 25% profit boost, a 50% profit boost. They're going to be offering you some fun thing to do to boost your odds as well and get in on the action. So head to the App Store now, download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now, and use promo code DNVR when you sign up to get this bet where all new customers can place the same or can, can place $5 on a game, and if you place that bet, you get $150 and free bets over at DraftKings Sportsbook. The, an official sports betting partner of the NBA must be 21 or older, Colorado only. New customers only, minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. And Mace, let's jump into our DraftKings Sportsbook pick of the week. And today, I'm going to the NFL because of the draft coming away. And I just see something so juicy out there. I'm going under player futures over at DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm going to most rushing yards for this season. You know who number one is, Mace, with with, with the best odds? Who? Your guy, Jonathan Taylor. Plus 500 to have the most rushing yards in the NFL. You know who number two is? Who? My My guy, Derrick Henry, at plus 550. And what we saw the Titans do in the draft this week tells me they are going to go all in on Derrick Henry. Trading A.J. Brown, then getting a rookie. It means their their passing game is going to take a step back. Ryan Tannehill, they know they can no longer rely on him. That's when they that's why they went and got Malik Willis. I don't think Malik Willis plays this year, but if he does, they're going to be relying on Derrick Henry even more. I think one of the things that Indianapolis is going to do is still very much rely on Jonathan Taylor, but also try to pass the ball a little more than they did last year because they're going to have more trust in Matt Ryan mm-hmm. than they are going to have trust in Carson and Wentz last year so the fact that you're able to get Derrick Henry to be the 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 rushing champ this year at plus 550 he did have an injury last year but really an injury is the only thing that's going to make him not win this so I love that Derrick Henry plus 550 I'm gonna jump in on it I'm making my usual pick picture going against the Braves (laughs) over under on strikeouts Chris Bassett the Mets tonight six and a half Give me the over on that all right I like it six and six and a half how simple how, how are they doing on strikeouts Mace not good not good. Oh no! They're striking out a ton. Oh no! So they're, I, ten, they're ten and thirteen. Put it this way: the uh, the Braves are are ten and thirteen right now. Not a good start to their season. Um, the Reds we know are what they're uh, like uh, three and nineteen at this point or something like that. Mm-hmm. Rockies just swept them. Yeah. Two of the three Reds wins were against the Atlanta Braves at the start of the year. Oh no! That's not good. Like, <laughs> that they, is they, not good. A, a series split, a four-game series split that looks worse and worse with every passing day. Oh no! I think my t- I think my team is a little bit too fat and happy after winning it all last year. Yeah, and that happens to some teams. Yep, exactly. <laughs> well, Mace, let's hop into the comment section and talk to the people. But first, let's hit a super chat that we got coming in. It comes from Jacob. He says, my boys, I'm kind of missing RK being here so I can rub in the fact that four former Huskies got picked. Huskers. Or Huskers got picked and zero buffs did. But I digress. I'm crazy excited to see this Broncos team. Can't wait for September. I'm with you on that second part. And Allie is our producer today. And uh, I think you made her throw up in her mouth a little bit, uh, reminding Mm -hmm. her of that fact. So pretty much had the same effect. Uh, You you still got to rub it into a CU buff. It's not like Nebraska was that great last year. 
No. Lost a lot of close games. In fact, I, I said Huskies when reading that, and actually yeah. I know at least one Husky got taken in this draft because the Broncos got a Husky on day three. Well, not, it depends what Husky. There was a, you know, the Ravens took a, took a Yukon Husky, for example. Yeah, that's true. And then, Multiple of course, we have a Washington Husky. Were there any Northern Illinois Huskies taken? Um, Jimmy uh, Garoppolo, there was. No. Eastern, no, Jimmy Garoppolo went to Eastern Illinois. Oh, Eastern same, Illinois. Same school as uh, Mike Shanahan. Oh, yes, yeah. yes. Um, so there were, yep, Huskies, more Huskies than Buffs as well. But mm-hmm. shout out to uh, our DNVR athlete, Nate Landman, on landing a, a un- uh, or undrafted deal Did you, with the Was Atlanta that intentional, Landman, landed? <laughs> it, actually, yeah. it actually wasn't, no. Oh. But, uh, I'll That's take, pretty good. I should have good. taken credit for it, that's All for right. sure. All right, Mace, let's hop into the comment section right now. And the first comment is coming in from Sir James says, he says, a quick behind the scenes of my excursion through the belly of the beast, SoFi Stadium for the first round of the draft. Yes, he was at SoFi for the draft wearing a Broncos shirt and a Broncos jersey. He says, are we calling SoFi Stadium, which is often filled with half the fans for the opposing team, the beast? Probably not. Yeah, see, like the beast, <laughs> like going to Arrowhead, that's going to the belly of the beast. Right. That is very so far, eh, yeah, not a pretty, pretty palatable place for visiting team fans. Not that dangerous. And he goes mm. on and says, season ticket holders or a season ticket holders friend invited me to a draft party at SoFi complete with Snoop Dogg performance. We took our seats at the 50 yard line and decided to get food. Friend and I got lost and security was no help. We stumbled upon an unlocked wing uh, of a luxury box suites in an area we definitely were not supposed to be in. We decided to embrace the adventure and occupy the suite. There were v- giving VIP tours behind us the whole time, and we were being met with odd looks, but no one questioned us being there. I managed to figure out the TV control system and is able to get my boys at DNVR on one of our TVs. These boxes, according to the QR code we scanned in the, in the, in the start, start at 14 thousand dollars a game varying upon the opponent finally i was shown nothing but love from chargers fans i interacted with with my dt jersey much respect overall if you can pull this off i highly recommend it go broncos go luxury suites and go dnvr yeah he can sneak into a luxury suite yeah absolutely oh sure of course then again i guess the question is you snuck in. Did they have any snacks there? Or was it empty? Because like, uh, yeah, yeah. Did you get some drinks? Yeah. My guess is if they weren't planning on using it, there wasn't anything in there. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. They probably weren't. Which warm means hot you dogs you'd have to there. leave to get anything concession wise, and then you'd have to sneak back in. So <laughs> that sounds pretty cool, though. Yeah. I mean, one thing that that stadium is, from what I've heard, is really cool. So mm-hmm. if you have a chance to go there, it's pretty cool. The center hanging scoreboard is impressive. Yeah. I think uh, I think I like Vegas' stadium better, though. Okay, why so? Uh, I don't think we ever really got a stadium review from you. Uh, I, 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 I'm straight up about the press box. Mm-hmm. Vegas' stadium being fully enclosed, the press box is open air, so you can feel kind of the, the crowd noise and the mm. atmosphere and the energy in the place. Whereas the, uh, the L.A. stadium, it's open air, so they have glass in front of the press box, kind of soundproof. Like, always extra points for an open press box. Right. Minnesota has an open press box. Vegas has an open press box. A lot of the retractable roof stadiums have closed press boxes. It's like, okay, we're going to open it up sometimes, but no. I mean, it's just it it they're they're dull and sterile. I just I can't stand that. <laughs> if I had my way, it would be more stadiums would be like the stadiums in England for soccer, where it's just they're all, all under cover, but it's open. 
Right. So you really kind of get get the sense of the atmosphere more right. more than you do uh, in even a place like Denver. So. That's, you, you would like CU, where I've heard uh, they always have their press box open regardless of the conditions. Just being able to crack open, <laughs> just or they, they crack open the windows there, right? I mean, just being able to do that, I think, adds something to it rather than just having it always behind glass. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I see where you're coming from. Next one from Coach Tobin says, Howdy, fellas. Great draft coverage and analysis. It's best for Broncos country as expected. Thank you so much. He says, I'm not too excited about who we drafted, honestly. But at the same time, they all seem to be fill-in players with no expectations to have a huge impact. Just my opinion. Guess that's what happens when you trade for Russell Wilson. My other thought is that we should have gotten gotten that punter. I think he would have been a field and game changer here in Denver. Right, Mace? Y'all are the best. Yeah, Matt Ariza. Um... You know what? You can teach a guy to placement punt, but you can't teach a guy to blast at 80, 80 yards. <laughs> and having that club in his bag, I, I, that's why I would have taken him. And I, even though I was hoping against hope that what Dwayne Stukes said last week was just a smokescreen, yeah. I really think I really think sometimes coaches overthink this. Where did he end up going? Buffalo. Ah, uh, you know, you look at like Buffalo getting him. You look at the players that fell to Baltimore, and you're like, there are some teams that just it always seems to come to them, right? Right. Buffalo for a while wasn't that team, but they've become one of those teams that it just seems like they're kind of they 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 just players kind of come to them a little bit, and they're just patient. I mean, Baltimore getting Kyle Hamilton at 14 in the first round, yep. and then getting Ojabo. getting great value. I mean, they just. There's, you know, you hope the Broncos can become that team over time. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. You hope because those teams, it just, it just seems like everything they do is like, mm-hmm. oh, of course they did that in a good way. Yes. Let's let's hope George Payton can uh, can become that type of GM in the Broncos. That type. So, what 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 round did he go in? Who Ariza? Yeah. I think he was it the fifth or the sixth. Fifth is, okay, good yeah. value. That's where I said I he was. Uh, I, I want maybe even the sixth because like he, he went after the other the other punter. Yes, like he you're was right. the third punter off the board. And again, the third. Yes. Wow. Yes, yeah, sixth round. Again, I just I think you're getting too cute because he has what you can't coach and you can work on the placement. It's not like he was a bad placement punter last year. Right. So anyway, my. Yep. Ah, that's that's my critique. That would have been your dream. Next one from LDJ says, man, it's been a while, and there's so much I want to speak with you about all my time, uh, but I just want to say, Broncos country, you need to listen to the man that is George Payton to understand this draft. He is collaborative in his approach to team building, and there's a different coaching staff with different philosophies that lead to different team building, hence a much different draft class than last year. So for me, when I look at this draft class, Give it a C plus because feeling like I don't like this draft class past day two, but I understand what Peyton did. Love you guys. So excited for the season and hoping to come back to Denver for the Colts and Broncos. Please, RK, if you can guys work out, if you can work on package prices for the tailgate bus and tickets combined, that would be so chill. But I hope to come for the game, though. We'd love to see you out here for the game, LDJ. That'd be pretty awesome. And uh, and yeah, I mean, a, a C plus. 
That feels about right. I think we'll, we'll probably hand out some grades uh, sometime in the next couple of weeks when we take a step back from looking at, at individual players. And, I, and I'm curious where we land on some of these guys. I won't. <laughs> I don't grade. Don't I don't grade draft right after it happened. Well, maybe RK and I'll do it yeah. when it's just us two <laughs> in, in the next week or so. Junior Pancake says, as a resident North Carolina State Wolfpack fan here, there is nothing that hurts my soul more than hearing anyone say Russell Wilson, Wisconsin Badger, arrow straight to the heart. Should have let him come back and be your quarterback in 2011 instead of moving on to Mike Glennon. Yikes! It very look it very from Russ's perspective, it's uh, it's kind of similar to Peyton Manning and the Colts. It's not that he ignores that part of his background. He know you know he he's appreciative of, of what he had at NC State, but that how it ended kind of sticks in his craw a little bit. Mm-hmm. And even though he was not, I mean, basically it's kind of proportionally almost the same. 25% of his college years were spent at Wisconsin. 25% of uh, Peyton's career was spent in Denver. And yet, because of the, the the feeling from his perspective that he was cast out, that they the Colts cut him, the 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 NC State while Russell was uh was playing minor league baseball, kind of moved in a different direction, moved forward with, with Mike Glennon. Um his thought their their thought as well, okay, fine. I'll show them. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, he certainly did. He certainly yeah. did. You wonder what that uh, the difference would have been. And not only the teams in that season, but also what Russ's draft value would have been or wouldn't have been. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure the thing, the bias against short quarterbacks at that point, I'm not sure Russell Wilson could have helped his draft stock uh, any more than he did by going to Wisconsin because they got him up to the third round. I'm not sure it would have made a difference in any way, shape, or form. Maybe he would have gone a little bit later. Because one thing that did help him at Wisconsin was running a strictly pro-style offense with a lot of work under center. Mm-hmm. And showing that he could that he could operate an offense under center. Showing that behind uh, five behemoths like Wisconsin also often has up front, that height wasn't an issue for him. Right, yeah, yeah, and I think in the end it, it mm-hmm. did help him going yeah. to uh, going to your school, Mace, Wisconsin. Well, it's and not we, my school; it's the family <laughs> I'm married into. Yeah. We have a comment from Higher Learnings that says, "I love how Peyton li- Peyton Manning lives in Denver and is always featured in Broncos marketing." And it goes along these lines, mm-hmm. you know, where you are last, where you call home, what you refer to is uh, what you're going to be remembered by. And certainly, I mean, when I think of Russell Wilson. I think of Wisconsin. I don't think of NC State. And, of mm-hmm. course, being in Denver, I think of Peyton Manning as a Bronco as well. The goal was for Russell Wilson to do enough yeah. in Denver to where you think of him, where not just Bronco fans, but the nation thinks of him as a Bronco more than a Seahawk. So I played, think that's going to come down to – I think that's going to come down to Super Bowls one. I think so, too. He played 10 years, of course, in Seattle. He had, what, eight Pro Bowls? Uh, no, nine, nine. Nine, nine Pro Bowls. Eight winning seasons, or no, eight playoff seasons, and one Super Bowl. We know he wants to play 10 to 12 more years, win three or four more Super Bowls. If he does that, oh boy, he's not just being remembered as a Bronco. He's being remembered as an all-time player for 
the Denver Broncos that played for the Denver Broncos. Right. Next one from Talking Schmidt says, my boys, great recap of the draft pick, guys. I'm very excited for the 2022-2023 Broncos team. I also saw we signed UDFA Eric uh, Barrier from Eastern Washington. Currently, I go to Montana, and we played Eastern Washington twice last season in some big games. He is a stud, and I know we have Wilson locked up for eight-plus years, hopefully but I wanted to let y'all know we have a Kyler Murray Jr. as a backup for now. He's extremely quick in and out of the pocket, and his throw on the run rating in Madden should be 90+. plus. That leads to my curious question for y'all today. I'm a diehard Madden player and competitor. I won in on the DNVR League, and I was wondering who are and were your best or favorite Broncos Madden players of all time? Like, who have you force-fed more than any players in the past, or maybe is it a defender? For me, it was Philip Lindsay running stretch plays in Madden 19. The Tasmanian Devil sure can burst on those I-form stretch plays. Funny and excited to hear what you guys say. Sorry, I don't know if you play Madden, Mace. LOL. Have a great day, Broncos country. Let's ride. May have to ask this again when RK's in in the chair. <laughs> I have no opinion whatsoever. My my Madden knowledge kind of stops with um back when the ambulance used to run over people on Sega Genesis in the early 1990s. <laughs> okay. <laughs> thank you. Thank thank you, Brandon. Brandon chimes in. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Philip Lindsay was fun. Boy, you go back, and uh, some of the running backs that the Broncos had, talk about force-feeding guys. Clinton Portis, he was uh, he was a really good Madden player. And then it was, it was funny because when the Broncos had Peyton – it was almost like when you when you get Tom Brady and you play with him, it's just not as fun because it, it those traits that these guys have don't really translate uh, extremely well to Madden. You, you want the fast guys. You want the explosive guys. And so Peyton Manning, all of his weapons were that. But it, it was just you, you felt like you were Peyton playing the game. Okay, we're slow mm-hmm. and methodical here uh, instead of Madden. How you just want to be tearing, tearing the field apart. Yeah. Next one coming in from... It's our last one. My biggest fan says, I have all the love in the world for my Iowa guy, Josie Jewell, but I long for a high round investment in a sideline to sideline inside linebacker. And I have to say, when I read this comment, Mason made me think of the fall of N'Kobe Dean. Yep. Positional value, right? Yep. I mean, even like, like Devin, look how, and Devin Lloyd, the best inside linebacker. A guy that we were talking about before the Russell Wilson trade is somebody, maybe you think about it, nine, and he lasts all the way to pick 27. Mm-hmm. That it's, a, it's strictly a positional value thing in terms of, in terms of how uh, they're prized around the league at this point. And, and, more, we're seeing, to counter the speed, more defensive backs, fewer inside linebackers. And I think with N'Kobe Dean as well, especially, I mean, when he's fallen in the third round and the Broncos have already picked twice now at 64, traded back from 75, and then drafted at 80. So technically they passed on him three different times. A big reason for his fall uh, was injuries, and especially Mm -hmm. soft injury or soft tissue injuries. He, I believe, hurt his uh, pec this offseason lifting weights, and he's had so many other soft tissue injuries this entire offseason, which just really, really scared people. Uh, and I think that's a big reason he fell to 83 because availability is more important than ability, and people were really worried about that here. Yeah. If he stays healthy, though, the Eagles got a heck of a player who, who kind of viewed like Roquan Smith, a, a smaller guy coming out of Georgia that can absolutely ball and fly sideline to sideline. We'll see. 
We'll see. We will see. And that's going to wrap it up for us today. Thank you all so much for rolling with us. If you're tuning in on YouTube, hit us with a thumbs up. We'd really appreciate it. Subscribe. We just hit 20,000 subscribers on YouTube. We really, really appreciate it. And we'll be back with you tomorrow. I believe we're going early. Or we're going live early. So make sure to tune in. Hit that subscribe. Hit that alerts button so you know when we're going in. But check in with us around 10 a.m. tomorrow. For Andrew Mason, I'm Zach Stevens. Have a fantastic day. Thanks for starting. You need some time. I know some landmarks we used to hit. We're flying cotton.